We welcome you back to Senior Moments with Bob Johnson. Today, we present Episode 7, entitled, Growing Up Fast, Loss of a Parent. In this installment, Bob shares his very personal experiences with the premature loss of his father at the age of 10. Through this tragic loss, he recounts the practical, emotional, and long-term consequences on his life, both past and present. In doing so, it is our hope that he might provide insight, encouragement, and solace to others who face such a loss, or that his story may motivate in others a more keen appreciation for their blessings of an intact family. Once more, I am proud to present your mentor and host Bob Johnson with Growing Up Fast, Loss of a Parent. Again, this is Bob Johnson with another senior moment, this time on a rather serious note. The picture you see on your screen, the photograph that I'm looking at, is that of my father. He was age 30, or he was age 22, just about the time I was born. He had just 10 years to live. We've all heard the expression, two heads are better than one, and solving a problem, and in most cases that's true. Uh, I'm going to paraphrase that and say that. Two parents are better than one in almost all cases, and I think that's very true, too. uh, There may be exceptions if one of them is a serial killer or a a child molester. I suppose uh, the other parent is the best one to raise the kids, but the trauma associated with uh, being a single parent and having all to make all the decisions about raising the kids, which is the most important job we can do, uh, is very severe. And the children themselves are going to suffer in many ca- in most cases with a single parent as opposed to two. I know there are domestic squabbles between a husband and wife, and the, sometimes it gets a little d- difficult in the house, but that's nothing compared with the difficulty that comes about when a family is confronted with having only one parent. I'm going to go on to explain uh, my own experience along those lines because I became uh, the child of a single parent at age 10 and the single parent became a single parent, my mother, uh, when she was at just 32 years old. First, I'd like to sketch the background of my parents very briefly. They both grew up in the inner around Canandaigua, New York, up in uh, the snow belt of upstate New York. And uh, they met when they were about 15 or 16, I think when uh, the Baptist Church and the Methodist Church had a joint Sunday school outing, and they, they were throwing bean bags to each other, and somehow that led to one thing to another. They uh, wound up marrying at the tender age of 19, which is unusual today, but not at all unusual back then. Both of them had dropped out of high school in the freshman year. Again, not that unusual back in the uh, height of the Depression or the beginning of the uh, time when we had some financial difficulties in this country. And uh, they married at 19, and I arrived on the scene two years later when uh, they were both 21. A couple of examples of uh, the fact that I don't really know that they were quite ready to be parents at the age of 21. They loved to dance, 
and they uh, would uh, get as often as they could to a nearby amusement park where there was a dance hall and a live band, and uh, they just would love to dance. Well, they had this little kid in the house, and uh, what do they do with a baby? Well, they couldn't afford a babysitter, so they uh, would just park me in the back of their car and go in and dance for a while. And when I asked my mother about how how responsible that was uh, later on, she said, uh, well, I'd go out every hour or two and check to make sure you were okay. Well, somehow I survived the experience of being abandoned in an amusement park parking lot, (laughs) and they did become much more responsible as time went by. Another example is that my mother just kind of missed her own parents who lived on a small farm just outside of Canandaigua, and uh, to the extent that just about every weekend we would drive the 20 miles from where we lived up in uh, just south of Rochester uh, and uh, uh, spend the weekend with my grandparents, which I enjoyed because they lived on a little farm, and there were lots of things to do on a little farm. But uh, I well remember one uh, Friday afternoon we arrived uh, in the uh, and drove into their driveway, and off to the left where there was a haystack, we spotted my grandmother chasing my grandfather around the haystack with a pitchfork in her hands. My father looked at that for just a brief moment, put the car into reverse, backed out of the driveway, and we went home. Apparently, Grandpa could run faster than Grandma because uh, the next weekend when we went down, he was not perforated. Our guess is that uh, he may have yielded to the temptation of uh, having a beer on the way home from uh, uh, his railroad job, which he did when he wasn't in the farming part of it. And uh, uh, my grandmother was very much opposed to alcohol, and I guess they they had a a domestic squabble on the subject, which fortunately the pitchfork didn't get uh, dramatically involved in. So moving on, uh, my uh, my life during the Depression was one of some difficulties, uh, uh, financial that is. I remember a time a $20 bill turned up missing, and that was the entire take-home pay for my father for a full week of work, and it caused quite a bit of domestic difficulty, but uh, eventually it was found. We think a $20 bill is something you throw down to buy a couple of ice cream cones now, but uh, it was a big deal back then. Uh, there were other uh, situations. Uh, one time, uh, someone gave me a pet rabbit for Christmas, or for Easter, and uh, that was great. My father built a cage. I loved that rabbit. And uh, then came the fall and the winter, and in upstate New York, you just don't leave a, ra- a an animal in a cage outdoors. So we put the rabbit in the cellar, and the cellar the uh, cellar began to smell. The decision was made that my pet had to go. So my father said, we can't afford to waste the food. So he went and slaughtered the rabbit, and he that made him so sick to his stomach, he took to his bed. My mother cooked the rabbit, put it on the table between the two of us. We looked at it, put it in the trash, and ate our vegetables. But that's how tough times were. We ate a lot of uh, gravy on toast for uh, meals, sometimes breakfast, sometimes dinner, but we never went totally hungry. My father was in and out of work. My father took on the job of raising a son, and this I remember well. Uh, he, he actually saved my life one time when I fell off a dock into Canandaigua Lake, and my, my father happened to be nearby. I guess I was three years old. I didn't know anything about swimming, and uh, 
All I remember is watching the bubbles go up until he dragged me out, and I suffered no consequences. Uh, he also uh, uh, spent what few dollars he had on fireworks at uh, uh, at uh, Fourth of July because fireworks were legal in New York State at that time for private individuals, and uh, he would teach me how to handle them responsibly and carefully. He went out and got me a BB gun, and he taught me how to use that. He bought me a uh, second-hand bicycle for, I think, $5, which uh, I had until uh, I went away to college, so it was a, a good buy. Uh, he went to great lengths to try to prepare me for the life of uh, an adult male, something that I think is m much more difficult for a female to do. Uh, he never got around to the facts of life, which my mother was stuck with after her, she became a widow, and frankly, it was very difficult for her, as you might imagine. My father taught me about how to handle the furnace. I think at this point he was beginning to have pro physical problems with muscular control, and he began to realize that his son was going to have to uh, be a bigger part of the family than uh, he had been up till that point. He taught me, we only had one furnace in the house, all the heat in the, our house, which was almost 100 years old at the time, was provided by a furnace, which uh, provide, uh, the, the heat of which went up through a register about three by three into the house house, and uh, I, my father taught me to build the fire with paper and kindling and blocks of wood and coal, and it was my job to maintain th that coal fire whenever he was not, whenever he was in the hospital. He let me help him shovel the walk. In upstate New York, an 18 or 24 inch uh, snowfall overnight is nothing unusual. We happened to have a house on a corner, so I had 60 feet of sidewalk on one side and 40 feet on the other side in the front. And uh, eventually, uh, he, it became my job to shovel all that snow away because you didn't, uh, you were required to keep the sidewalk clear. Uh, and, and he taught me to do some domestic repair jobs and things of that nature. But increasingly, he spent time in the hospital. My mother, who hated to drive, nevertheless had to uh, drive to visit him. I was not allowed to, drive it, uh, to visit him. Uh, he, uh, he and I developed a, a correspondence. Uh, he reminded me of the time he took me skating on the Erie Canal, which was near us, and I sent him a comic book, and we, we wrote, which I'm not sure he particularly enjoyed. But at any rate, we, uh, we developed uh, a correspondence relationship at that point. One uh, memory of my father that I'll mention before I go on uh, was uh, one time when I was about five or six years old, he was uh, showing me how to build a castle out of uh, uh, some, a cardboard template that we had where you had to bend it in certain places and cut it in certain places, and when you put it all together, you had a castle. And it was about, uh, you know, two feet high and about a foot and a half wide. And we were sitting admiring the work, and he was just opening the windows on it when my mother walked in with a pill, which I, she had me taking on a regular basis and which I hated because I had to chew it, and it tasted awful. And uh, she insisted that I uh, take the pill, which I did, in my hand, and then she left the room. My father winked at me, and he uh, reached down, and he picked up the pill, and he put it right through one of the windows of the castle, kerplunk. And he and I became co-conspirators at that point. And uh, I've never forgotten that little incident as a demonstration of his rather whimsical sense of humor. Obviously, I survived without the pill, and I don't think my, other, my mother ever knew that I didn't take it. 
Well, but finally, uh, the la- very last letter from my father was, which I still have, uh, said uh, something about, tell your mother to be brave. Bobby, you're going to be the man of the house from now on. And a few days later, my mother came home from visiting my father and said uh, he wasn't going to be coming home again. That made a major change in our life. And frankly, I had not been expecting it. Uh, But uh, my mother had to, we didn't have any life insurance whatsoever, virtually no money in the bank, if any at all, and uh, a mortgage on the house. So my mother had to take a job. She secured uh, a job with the local American Can Company, uh, very manual work because she hadn't much of an education, and uh, I was left alone most of the time because she had to leave first thing in the morning. And uh, so uh, school became kind of the center of my life uh, in addition to keeping the uh, furnace going. One other thing that was my job at home was the hot water heater. And the hot water heater was a scary experience because uh, my father had explained to me when he taught me how to use it, lighting the gas and then putting a match to it, was that we only let it go until we were pretty sure we had enough hot water in it to last for a while because the pressure relief valve had frozen shut. They hadn't invented WD-40 at that that time. And uh, he told me that if it was forgotten that the steam would build up to the point where the house would explode. Uh, That was a pretty scary experience uh, to know that, but uh, until he died, why, he was around uh, most of the time to make sure that we didn't forget it. Uh, But uh, that was one of my many responsibilities, the shoveling of the walk, the keeping of the furnace. I had to remove the, we had an icebox, not a refrigerator, and had to remove the water from the icebox because the ice would melt. And so I picked up quite a few jobs at eight, nine, 10-year-old kids don't usually have. And of course, they become became my job exclusively after his death. Two or three other things that I might mention about uh, before my father's death that uh, bear on life after his death. Uh, while he was in the hospital, he arranged to have me have a dog. I think he felt a son needed a dog. His roommate in the hospital raised German shepherds, and uh, my father arranged that I got a dog in the spring named Pal. And Pal stayed with me. We became inseparable. He, we were, he was a wonderful dog. Uh, my father had died in July after I got the dog in the spring of that year, 1939. And uh, it was a wonderful boy-dog relationship until winter came. And my mother, who never really liked dogs in the first place, decided that we couldn't deal with a dog and all the other problems we had. And so she gave the dog gave Pal back to the man who gave him to her. At least that's what she told me, and I didn't get any notice on it. A couple of other things my father did before his death, I think, when he knew it was coming. Uh, One day when I was about nine, he took me to the local library, which is about a—we lived in a very small town. You could walk any place in town in 10 minutes or less. Uh, He took me to the library and got me a library card and explained how it worked. Uh, and uh, to me, that was a, a beginning of a, of a reading adventure that stayed with me through most of the rest of my life. Uh, he also took the trouble to arrange for me to have a paper route. Uh, and so I started at age nine delivering papers using that bicycle he had presented to me. 
And this taught me uh, not only the responsibility of making sure everybody had a paper every day, but it taught me something about human nature because back in those hard times, sometimes people didn't have the money to pay the paper boy when he came around to collect on Friday night. And you'd hear them rustling around inside, but they wouldn't answer the bell. And I learned about a lot to, about life at that point. In spite of all these wonderful things my father did for me, I might illustrate that he had a strong disciplinary bent as well. Uh, there was one occasion when I was probably seven years old when uh, a friend or former friend at this point uh, convinced me that a window on a what looked like an abandoned shed uh, could be easily broken with no consequences. So he and I had fun uh, throwing rocks through that window. Well, it turned out that the owner of the house did not think it was very funny. Told my father, who had to pay for it, and uh, I well remember the spanking I got with my father on that one because he stood me on a chair for better leverage, and uh, it was a spanking I have never forgotten. Okay, came the time my mother went to work, and I became... Uh, uh, kind of the custodian of the house most of the time. Uh, these were difficult times uh, for both of us, and about a year later, she started dating. Well, this meant that I spent not only uh, after time after school alone in the house, but many long evenings in the house all by myself. Uh, I was 11 or 12, uh, a little too old for a babysitter, which we couldn't afford anyway. And uh, very often she would give me a dime to go to the movies because the movie house, the one in town, was easily accessible. Uh, two movies I remember. I, I very often would go to the movies while she uh, was on her dates and uh, then go home alone and uh, go to bed and she would come home later. But uh, the two movies I remember is one I thought was going to be about the electric company because I, uh, in the title of the film was Charge and Light. And I said, that's got to be a very dull movie, but it's the only one in town. I've got my dime. I'll go. Well, it turned out to be the Charge of the Light Brigade, a war movie which uh, filled me with enthusiasm. And I was so pleased it wasn't about the electric company. The other one, not as happy an experience, it was the Frankenstein monster. Uh, I had no idea what that was about, but I came away from that movie kind of shaking, walked home through a dark town, uh, came into a dark house, went to bed in a dark bedroom, and every creak of the house sounded like the Frankenstein monster on his way up the, up the, uh, up the stairs. My mother uh, continued to date. Occasionally, she would have me come along on the date, and I think I was just about as happy as the man she was dating because sitting around listening to old people talk and drink and, and uh, uh, carry on uh, was about as boring as you can imagine for a teenage boy. But the lessons my father had taught me of dedication and hard work and discipline served me in very good stead in school. Uh, I turned out, it turned out that I did fairly well uh, and, uh, in fact, quite well. And uh, as time went by, uh, I, I became more and more enthusiastic about it. Enthusiastic about it. Uh, never did get involved with sports uh, because I just didn't have time between the keeping the furnace going and having to rebuild the fire in that cold weather and shoveling the walk and keeping the uh, hot water heater going and mopping the kitchen floor <laughs> and removing the uh, water from the from the uh, icebox uh, kind of kept me uh, working pretty much full-time around the house when I was there. But uh, I managed to survive uh, quite quite well, and uh, my mother uh, married 
remarried uh, in the fall of my senior year of high school. That was 1945 when a very nice guy came back from having been in the war. The World War ended in the spring of, uh, or rather the summer of, of uh, that year, and she married in November. That was my senior year. And uh, I went on to uh, have the good fortune to uh, secure a uh, scholarship in the very prestigious university, uh, and uh, went on to college, and uh, my whole life turned out well then. But the lessons my father taught me during the years before he died were very helpful. The only thing I didn't have is the lessons he would have taught me during my teenage years, when you all know how difficult those teenage years are for a youngster. Uh, you're finding yourself, you're seeing your parents as the enemy, uh, and uh, you just need the direction that a father or at least uh, a male parent can provide. Uh, one could argue the point of whether a female parent can do the same for a boy. Uh, I, I honestly think there are some things that a father can teach a son that a mother would have difficulty doing, just as I think there are some things a father would have very difficult time teaching a daughter that would come as second nature to a mother. As far as employment is concerned, I did uh, manage to get a part-time job with a tree nursery when I was 12 years old. That was during the summertime, which involved digging up uh, uh, trees. And uh, I think I got 15 cents an hour, or maybe 20 cents after I got a raise uh, on that job. Then when I turned 16, I managed to uh, uh, get a part-time after-school and summer job with a newspaper, which started out with learning to set type and wound up with writing editorials and and uh, news stories. When I graduated from college, uh, I knew that uh, I had already met the woman I was going to spend the rest of my life with very happily, and uh, I knew I was going to have to earn a living, and I thought about what career field I should enter. And I thought back to those early days when my father died, my mother had to go to work because there was absolutely no life insurance available, big mortgage, all those problems, and I realized that life insurance is the key to solving a lot of financial problems when the main breadwinner should happen to disappear from the scene, either through death or divorce or whatever means. So I chose life insurance as my career, and I spent 38 years in that field and never regretted a moment of it. It was a wonderful field. I felt as though I was doing something that in the long run was benefiting a lot of people I would never meet. And when I retired some years ago, I felt very pleased that I have been able to do my part uh, in providing life insurance to people who needed it and needed it desperately. I must admit, I have sometimes find myself wondering how different my life might have been had my father survived. Such conjecture is, of course, a waste of time. Uh, as Omar Khayyam said, the, the moving finger writes and having writ moves on, nor all your piety nor wit shall lure it back to cancel half a line. You can't change the past. You can change the future. For any of you who may be listening, who may be the child of a single parent, please have mercy. Understand how difficult it is to make those decisions. Some of those decisions probably don't please you, but they are the best that person can do under very trying circumstances. I do feel your pain. If you are a single parent, you have my strongest support. Uh, I understand to some extent what you're going through. It is certainly very, very 
difficult, and I commend you for taking on the role. If you happen to be a, one of the parents of a two-parent family and you're thinking, this is too hard, this is too much work, we're not getting along, I'm going to leave, give it some extra thought, please, because what you're doing to your children when you turn them over to a single-parent family is making things that much more difficult. Think of the story I just told you and uh, uh, the problems of the hot water heater and the furnace and then shoveling all that snow and doing a lot of things that one of the parents normally would be doing. Uh, good luck and I hope you all have a good day. Thank you for your continued interest and support of our podcast efforts. In that vein, we encourage our listeners to tender their comments, criticisms, and particularly any requests regarding possible topics for future episodes. We may be reached through our email address, seniormomentspodcast at gmail.com. We hope you enjoyed Episode 7 growing up fast, losing a parent, and perhaps garnered some level of benefit from the content. Today's musical selection is entitled Hidden Past by Kevin MacLeod and is available at Encomputech.com. On behalf of Bob Johnson, this is technical grunt Mr. Ivy again wishing you well and inviting you back for our next episode of Senior Moments with Bob Johnson.